0: You may be seated. Owen Gathonga, would you please come up here? This guy has got a story. He, he is a preacher. He's a teacher. He's got a story of God at work in his life. And like every one of us do, you've got a testimony of God never giving up and just continuing to love on you, huh? Amen. You are going to be so grateful. You're going to be moved to applause and tears and laughter, and it is going to be awesome. But, you know, all of it comes from such an awesome heart. It just comes through when you speak, and I can't wait to hear you again. Would all of you please welcome Owen all the way from Nairobi, Kenya, through Fargo, North Dakota to Colorado. (laughs) Thank
1: you so much. Can I pray for you?
0: Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the gift of this day. Thank you for this man. God, thank you for his testimony. The, uh, the story he tells is one that could be repeated so many times. And it's why as a church we just believe in compassion and the work that they're doing, the way that those folks just know how to love on kids because they love Jesus. And I just thank you that this guy took time out of his very busy life, living out his dream to be able to be here with us today. So, God, I just pray that you would stop all of us in the busyness of this Christmas season that's got to do with so many things other than the baby Jesus. God, that we would just be right here where our feet are. Feet are. God, that we would be able to hear not just his story, but his teaching and, and really the heart of his message. God, pray that you would be with him and that through everything that he says, that, uh, God, we would be able to understand that you truly do have a call in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Amen. Take it away, brother. Amen, amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. All right. So uh, I said as I share my story, I'm going uh, to talk about this scripture that we all do know, a lot of us know about, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. And uh, I'm going to read from the book of Luke chapter 10, from verse 25 to 37. And uh, so it said, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said that a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw this man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place where uh, this guy was, he saw him and passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where this man was when he saw him. He uh, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man in his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you of any extra expense uh, you may have. Which of this three Do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus replied, go and do likewise. When I read this story, uh, it brings up the question, who is my neighbor? And I just just love Jesus' wisdom in the way he responded uh, to questions. I probably wouldn't have responded in in the the, the kind of wisdom that he did. But I love that, you know, it kind of felt like this was a trick question the expert in the law was asking. Because if Jesus uh, went on to give a list of who the neighbor is, then that would have meant, you know, this people in this criteria are who the neighbor is, and then this people are not your neighbors. Jesus did not exclude anybody from being your neighbor in the way that he responded to that question. Because if Jesus gave a list of who your neighbor is, then that means that meant that there would be a list of people who you wouldn't consider your neighbors. I mean, I want to uh, I want you to put yourself into this scenario, and you know, uh, what would you? Which person? Which of these three people would you have been? You know, would you have been the priest uh, who, you know, religious, he looks the part, but he walks on the other side, goes away. A Levite too. He, you know, they have the right beliefs and everything, but they walked on the other side and walked away. But the Samaritan, Samaritan stands out. So who would you have been? But then picture this. What if Jesus was standing beside you? You know, which of these people would you have been? And uh, I love that Jesus responded to the question the way he responded. And out of this story, I kind of get two points that I wanted to highlight today. You know, one of those points is uh, God calls us to look at likeness over differences. You know, when you think about who is your neighbor, sometimes uh, there are people who are easy to love. In our lives, you know, it, it's just so easy to love them. But there are also people in our lives that make it so hard for us to love them. And uh, unfortunately, those people are not excluded from the list of being neighbors. And so it doesn't matter what they do. You know, the Bible doesn't say, hey, this is, your, this is not your neighbor because, uh, you know, they're so different from you. But sometimes, we you know, we have this. It's human nature to subtract love from people, uh, especially when we have differences. You know, uh, this this person totally, you know, they, they do things totally different. The way they moor, their lawn, it's like you subtract love from them. You know, you, it just, you don't like that they're lazy, you just subtract love from them. You know, you don't like their political beliefs, you subtract from them. And, and it just, it makes... When you focus on the differences, it's easy to subtract love from people that we're actually called to love. And, you know, the way, the way the story goes is you look at this guy. He's beaten there, left half dead, and they stripped him of everything. This guy did not have an identity. And when you, you know, when you look at the, like, the, the, the priest and the Levite, they had the right beliefs. They, you know, they, the, they had the right, they were the, the right people. But they did not do the right thing. And so Jesus calls us to look at likeness over differences. And uh, it's just the way he told this parable and the way it comes out. The Samaritan was the least likeliest of them all. The Samaritan had the most differences to this guy. You know, this guy did not have an identity, but Samaritan didn't have the right beliefs you know, there was, there was often a very, you know, there was a history between the Jews and the Samaritans. And so the, the Samaritan was the least likeliest of them all. But what the Samaritan saw is uh, he looked at this guy, and at this point, this guy needed him. We're all called in, you know, we're all, we're all made in the likeness and image of God. But the story tells us to look at the likeness. Versus the differences. Don't let the differences. You know. The differences are not supposed to make you. uh, Not love. Your neighbor. Your neighbor is a person that is. In front of you. And unfortunately. You know. Fortunately and unfortunately. Those people are often. Some people that are just make it so easy. uh, that, That don't make it so easy for us to. Extend. You know. The neighborliness. But jesus calls us to not look at the differences jesus calls us to just love because you know uh, while we were still sinners, uh christ died for us and so we are called to have a high standard of love the next point i want to make is uh is to look at you know to take other people's problems as our own which is what the samaritan did is he took this guy's problems And he made it his own. This guy would have just, you know, he probably was on a busy schedule. And I mean, and there could be so many reasons as to why the priest and the Levite decided to walk on the other side and go away. You know, maybe they had a a schedule that was really demanding. You know, I often think maybe they had the keys to the church and there was a funeral going on. And they had to be at the church. Maybe there was a wedding that was going to take place. And, you know, we're not going to make the bride and the bridegroom wait. And so maybe he thought, I'm going to just go and somebody else is coming behind me. Is going to help. There could be so many reasons as to why the priest and the Levite decided to walk on the other side and walk away. But what the Samaritan did is, at that point in time, this guy who was lying there half dead, whether, you know, who they were, he just, or the task list that he had his calendar and everything that he had to do he put that on the side and he decided to make this guy's problems his problems and so Christ you know uh, Martin Luther King said a a quote that is applied very differently in this story because uh, on the first part of of the quote is what the priest and the Levi did is if I help this guy, what will happen to me? So that's the, that's the first portion of uh, the quote that applies to the Levi and the priest. If I help this guy, what will happen to him to me? Will I fall into the hands of robbers? Will I be late for my schedule? Will I be late for what I'm supposed to do? Am I not going to be, be able to meet my deadline? But then the second part of the script of, of the quote, is what the Samaritan applied, is if I do not help this man, what will happen to him? And so the Samaritan came and helped this guy, made this guy's problems uh, his problems. When I think about a neighbor, and who was a neighbor to me in a way that was so different, I did not expect, you know, uh, compassion to be, Uh, my neighbor who reached out to me. I did not expect that somebody across the other side of the world was going to reach out to me and be my neighbor. The least likeliest of them all happens to be the guy who picked up my packet 20-some years ago and decided to walk through the journey of life with me. When I think about my story and I think about growing up, You know, just like every other child, I had a dream. Even though my dream was a little bit different. I never wanted to become a doctor or a lawyer or a pilot. But for some reason, I always wanted to become an accountant. I know. (laughs) And that dream did not change growing up. But then I found out soon enough that that would never happen. It would never happen because of the family that I was born in. And I was born in a family of three boys My mom, who is our sole breadwinner in Nairobi, Kenya, and uh, unfortunately, she would only make about five to ten dollars a month. Five to ten dollars a month, to put it on perspective, it is way below the poverty line. Life for me growing up as a kid, if there's a word that stands, it's survival. Survival because you woke up in the morning and you had no idea whether you were going to be able to live to the end of the day. It was so tough sometimes that, you know, we would go for days without having food to eat. And if you've ever gone for more than a day without food, you become desperate. You would do absolutely anything just to get food in your stomach. And for me, that's what pushed me to, to go and knock on people's doors to get food because I needed the food for me to be able to survive. But I... I had knocked on these people's doors so many times that they were just tired of seeing my face over and over again. And so when I knocked on their door one more time, a lot of times they shut the door on my face and sent me away. And the times they let me in, oftentimes they would humiliate me. That was difficult. But I couldn't just walk away because they were being mean to me. I had to stay around because I needed the food to survive grew up in a house that didn't have faucets or clean water. The source of water that we had was in this river that had its origin in a slaughterhouse. And uh, you can imagine all that waste that comes from a slaughterhouse going into the river. So by the time that river passed by where we lived, this water was brownish or greenish in color. This is the water that we had to work with. And brown water is terrible. It doesn't matter whether you boil it or... It just it tastes terrible. But I grew up and we had this saying that it's, now I know is probably not all right. We had this saying that I used to say that if it's brown, it's good enough to drink. That's the water that we had. That's what we had to work with. I think for me, one of the hardest things about growing up in poverty was that every time we got sick, my mom would tell us, just hope you're going to be fine. Because she didn't have the money to take us to hospital. And back in those days, if you showed up in a hospital and you did not have money, they would not take you in. So My mom often told us that just hope that whatever you have doesn't kill you. And it was difficult. She told me this story that when I was about one year old, I came down with measles. And this year we lost so many babies because of measles in Kenya. And because my mom would not take me to a hospital, she told me that night she held me. And as the night passed on, I grew weaker and weaker and weaker. And she didn't think I would make it through the end of the night. I'm a parent, and I, I just I cannot fathom just what was going on in my mom's mind. You know, holding your child or watching their life slip away, and there was nothing you can do about it. It's, it's devastating. But by the grace of God, I survived just like so many other times in my life. And I mean, poverty is bad. I would never wish poverty on anybody. But for me, the absolute worst thing about poverty is the hopelessness that comes from poverty. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. It's all dark. It was, it was really awful when... Growing up, people would look at me straight in the eyes and tell me that I am worth less, that I will never amount to anything. And people were so quick to point at the family tree and the generational cycle of poverty that had been passed on in my family from one generation to the next. The world had written me a story, and my story was that I was born poor, I was going to live poor, and I was going to die poor. End of story. But nobody would ever get to hear my story. You know, when they asked me this question that we love to ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? I responded with a smile in my face that I want to become an accountant. But it's what they told me that wiped the smile out of my face. Really crushed the little hopes that I still had because they told me don't waste your time dreaming because none of your dreams will ever come true. Not the kind of words you want to hear. But these are the words that I used to hear. And I just, unfortunately, I just had to give up. It was easier to give up than it was to fight for your dreams. So with poverty, one of the things that I lost was my dreams. But God. But God had a different story for my life. Because when I was about eight years old, my mom heard about this church that was helping kids. And this was my first encounter with compassion. So, for there to be a compassion center, there has to be a local church. Compassion runs everything through the local church. So, we hear this news. You know, my mom hears this news that this church is helping kids. We go register. And compassion has to do home visits just to make sure that the kids who want to get sponsored really do need the help and in my case it didn't take very much convincing uh, for me to get registered and you know one of the first things they did is they took a picture of me just like Ebba, and they you know printed a packet just like this one sent it out to a church uh, on a compassion Sunday you know so I got sponsored uh, on a you know on a Sunday just like today and guy was walking by the table, saw my picture on a packet and said, I'm going to sponsor this kid. That's how I got sponsored. And we started this relationship with my sponsor. That was an awesome relationship. You know, getting these letters from my sponsors, they just, they meant so much. We, We, you know, we read that story about the Samaritan who is my neighbor. I would never have had guessed that the guy who decided to be my neighbor came all the way from Wisconsin and I know I'm I am in Vikings land but I grew up listening you know reading a lot of stories about the Packers and so I became a Packers fan when I moved over to the US and So it's it's just the love that I got from my sponsor, but also at the church. I mean, I met these people who, from the first time, it was just, there was just something, it was different. Because these people were just weirdly warm and loving. They just, they would hug us and just love on us. And I mean, that was weird because I grew up getting a very different experience from people. You know, the kind of reaction I would elicit from people is people either shutting the door on my face or sending me away or just being mean to me. And then I meet these people who are so warm and loving. And I'm mean like, these people are weird. <laughs> and it didn't take me long to find out why these people were different. Because these people, men, would not shut up talking about Jesus. From the first time I stepped foot into that church, these people did not shut up talking about Jesus. That's how, that's how I connected the dots. Is the reason why these people are this way is because they were Jesus people. They were love on us in a way I had never been loved on before. But It's, it's, it's going to the church and getting to hear about this Jesus that was so different. So we would go to this compassion center, and every time we would go, we would read all these scriptures that would talk about this mighty God who had a hope and a future for my life. This God who just, you know, I was his masterpiece. And I remember it was just, there was just so much good news in the church that I wasn't used to hearing. I mean, I would go to the church and we would sing all these happy songs and we were just joyful and happy with all these people who loved on us. And then I would go back home to the same hopelessness and the same people who looked at me and thought absolutely nothing about me. And uh, just, I lived in these two different worlds because on one side, man, there was this joy that these people carried. There was this this Jesus. And then on the other side was the enemy who was just kept pulling me down. And I'm like, I got to a point and I'm like, I can't live in these two different worlds. And I thought, maybe I'm going to go to that. You know, I'm going to go to that church and accept their Jesus. Hoping that, hey, maybe these people will turn it down talking about Jesus. But also, because I wanted to try for myself if what, if what they said about this Jesus is really true. And so I went to the church and I said, I've come to accept you, Jesus. So I made my choice to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And no, these people did not shut up talking about <laughs> Jesus. I think they actually cranked it up talking about Jesus. But I had gotten myself in, in a situation that would change my life forever. I had gotten the best gift, the compassion of a gift to me, which is the gift of Jesus Christ, because He's the thing. If you don't hear anything from what I say today, it's that poverty left my life the day Christ came into my life. I'm going to say it again. I can tell you here today, boldly without a doubt in my mind, that poverty left my life the day Christ came into my life. That if compassion had just given me Jesus and told me to go my way, I would have been just fine. Because when I got Jesus and I began to, to, to just dig into the word and know the truth, something started to happen. Is that the more I knew the truth that was in the word of God, is the more the truth started to set me free. And all of a sudden I started to realize that there was a very big disconnect between whom the world thought I was and whom my God thought I was. See, when I got Jesus, I got a hope that was way more stronger than the poverty that I faced. See, when I was fighting poverty by my own strength, I just wanted to curl into a ball and just give up. But fighting poverty with Jesus was different. The book of Isaiah 59, 19 says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord raises the standard above him. See, something started to happen now. See, the words they would say to put me down stopped working. Because for every word they would say to put me down, there was a scripture in place to cover me up. See, the devil lost the battle of poverty in my life when Christ came in. See, the biggest misconception people have about poverty is they think if we throw enough money at poverty, we'll be able to get rid of poverty. But that's a lie. Money is good. But money can only change the outside. But money can never get rid of poverty. Because poverty is a lot more spiritual and mental than it is physical. But Jesus can get rid of poverty. Because Jesus works from the inside out. That was the difference. If compassion gave me Jesus and told me to go my way. That was the difference. Because all of a sudden I knew that my hope in Christ, it was only a matter of time before I was getting out of that poverty. And you know, compassion didn't stop there. They gave me food and clean water and took me to hospital every time I got sick. They took me to school. I was the first person in my whole family to graduate high school. And and I... I went on and I did my bachelor's degree in, guess what? Accounting. And and I got a scholarship to go to North Dakota State University. Of all the states in America. (laughs) And I did my master's degree in accounting. And I love Fargo. It's too cold for me, though. And... I sat for my CPA license and I'm a CPA in America. I'm an accountant! See, the one thing they told me not to waste my time dreaming is my reality today. Probably not your typical accountant, but I get excited because it's the one thing I've wanted to be since I was a little boy. But because someone picked up my packet 27 years ago, it's my reality today. Compassion's mission statement is... Releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. That's the story of my life. I have been released from poverty in Jesus' name. See, I love compassion because they changed my life. But because compassion changed my life and got me out of poverty, I've been able to go back and take my whole family from poverty. See, That generational curse of poverty that had been passed on from one generation to the next stopped with me. Poverty stops with me. Because my kids will never know poverty. Because someone looked at this picture of this kid and said, I'm going to choose this kid. And look what the Lord can do. But You know, one of the most important things is, because I got to know Jesus. I got to take Jesus home to my family. Because I knew I, I got to know Jesus. My whole family got to know Jesus. I mean, how beautiful is that? I love compassion because they changed my life. And, you know, uh, I, had a, I had an awesome relationship with my sponsor. And if you have that picture, you can pull it up. This guy, he saw my packet, picture on the packet. Probably, I wonder if he had questions on, is this kid for real or did they just take a picture of a random boy? But in spite of it all, looked at this kid and was like, his kid's name was Owen, which happens to be his name. And so when I got engaged 13 years ago, one of my first calls was to my sponsor, compassion sponsor, and i asked him would you do me the privilege of standing beside me on our biggest day and so 11 years ago my sponsor whose name is owen just like i am owen was the best man in our wedding and that's a picture of compassion what god can do and you know i can talk so many things about how compassion changed my life because you know if accounting didn't work out for me compassion had equipped me with enough skills to A, start my own bakery shop, or B, start making my own shoes. Because for every kid that gets to go through Compassion, they get to learn two or three different skills that they can, in turn, use as an income-generating activity. But I can also speak as a sponsor, because me and my wife, we have three boys of our own, and we've intentionally chosen to take three boys, sponsor three kids through Compassion, And we partner our kids together. One of the things, you know, as a parent, I found out is, you know, especially like Christmas and all those so many things we kept, you know, and birthdays. You know, we would buy all these kids these toys and they would open the first one and then the second one and lose interest. It's like, man, I just got to think about something special and just something more meaningful to pass on to our kids And I'm thankful for compassion, for giving me an opportunity to parent my kids differently. Because we get to pair every kid, uh, every one of our child with a compassion child. We get an opportunity to write letters together. We get an opportunity to pray together as a family. It's been an awesome opportunity for me to talk about Jesus to my kids. You know, to teach them that it is, you know, that... We can be a blessing to other people. That God has blessed us sometimes so that we can sow into other people's lives that are not able to repay us. And it's been a valuable lesson. And it's been an awesome opportunity to sit as a family and pray for our kids. And also explain poverty to my kids. Because my kids don't know poverty. My kids don't know what lack is. But it's also an opportunity to tell them we've been so blessed. But we can take that opportunity to be a blessing to other people. So the $38 a month that we, ever spent, for, we spent for every kid is the best money that I ever spent. And to wrap it up, that kind of brought my whole story full circle. And about two years ago, I started working for Compassion as, guess what? An accountant. And, and I can put on my CPA hat. See, I love Compassion because they changed my life. I love compassion because they broke the poverty cycle, you know, the generational cycle of poverty from my family. And I love compassion because we get to sponsor kids through compassion. I know what it means to be a sponsored child. But I love compassion even more, and this is a CPA speaking. I love them even more because of their financial integrity. They do what they say they do. And you can quote me as a CPA. And it's, it's been amazing. It's been amazing because 27 years ago, I promise you, a lot of you would have been uncomfortable with me standing in front of you. Because I was poor, I looked like it. I smelled like it. Maybe that's why it was so easy for people to look at me and tell me that I, am worth, I was worthless. But 27 years later, look what the Lord can do. Because in between, because in between the child packet and this Owen happened to be uh, a neighbor who happened to come from Wisconsin, and I think I skipped I skipped some pictures uh, uh, about our kids, our sponsored kids. That's Joseph. Uh, we've been able to meet Joseph. Uh, next picture there, Joseph is one of our sponsored kids. That picture there is a picture of this kid. So, I went—I mean, I thought, Owen sponsored Owen. Why doesn't Owen sponsor Owen, too? So, Owen uh, is our kid from Nicaragua. So, he sponsored a kid uh, called Owen, and hopefully, y- you never know, it might be in his wedding. Uh, <laughs> the next picture is a picture of Junior. So, we, we just recently sponsored Junior. Junior goes to Redeemed Gospel Church, which is a church that I went to as a child. And I cannot wait to take my boys and uh, to go, you know, go visit Kenya and go to that church that I grew up in and talk to Junior and tell Junior, I used to be where you are. I sat in the same chair as I sat in that you're sitting on. But, you know, uh, but God did it for me. And God's going to do it for you. And so, yeah, I'm going to challenge you today to sponsor a child. I'm going to challenge you today to be a neighbor. Be a neighbor. Likeness over differences. Making other people's needs, you know, putting other people's needs over ours. And when you do that, I mean, you love like Jesus loved us. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God bless you guys.